Welcome back to Tune Into Nature. My name is Kelly. And my name is Anna, your co-host. In today's episode, we are doing a mini-episode, or minisode, on the musk ox that has started living in the Warner Atrium this semester. This episode will be shorter in nature and will just feature the two of us chatting. Our lovely new musk ox has a long history, so let's dive in. So we're going to kind of start on our perspective on the musk ox and kind of, you know, the story of how the musk ox came to be and what our, like, view of it is. So, All right, let's set the scene. Yeah, set the scene, <laughs> set the stage. Imagine the Warner Atrium, a lovely place, people studying, books are rustling. <laughs> <laughs> and then one morning, you're walking in, you're going to class. You know, you might be running late. You're you're rushing. You take a look. You see a muskox. You're like, all right. And then you take a duggable look and you're like, what? What is <laughs> what that? What in the world? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's how we got the idea to have this minisode because it was kind of a collective a like, collective thought of what how this? did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> it used to just be an empty space with, space with chairs. And now it's a huge glass case <laughs> with a muskox. Yeah, so... The, the college was a little um, up in the arm, up in the air, whenever <laughs> we had our new friend come by. I know um, it was very like, you know, have you seen the new muskox? <laughs> Do you know what's up with that? Like, when did that get here kind of thing? Um, no one said there was a muskox moving in. Um, so I know definitely in my classes, it was like a it was like a funky little thing for a while. And I don't know if you remember, but it was actually over winter break that we got a Snapchat (laughs) from one of our friends who was working in the building over break and sent us a picture of the musk going in the clear case and was like, this was not here this morning. (laughs) And it just, so kind of insider, we were like, oh, it's probably just in transport. It's probably from the biology building, Mm -hmm. you know. But then we, uh, what do you know, you arrive on whatever day we start classes again and it was still there yeah and then he has stayed there (laughs) (laughs) and he will stay there (laughs) which i think you know at first i was like that's a little funky but now he's 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 really grown on me and i i look at him and he makes me feel safe so that's good (laughs) um but we'll kind of dive into um how we got to the atrium um and kind of how we got there so Basically, we got the idea to have this podcast um, whenever we were like doing our own kind of sleuthing and trying to figure out why the muskox was there um, with our supervisor, um, one choose CSU, which is an event that our recruitment team hosts. So if any of you are potentially coming to CSU and Warner, um, it's a really good, you know, event where you can like learn a lot of information so looking to choose well i'll plug that real fast but we were talking to our supervisor rob um and you know i was like hey (laughs) what is this um and that's when he told us um a bit more about the muskox and actually how he came to be and so we'll start going in the background of things of that and Actually, the muskox first um, came from a morgue, which is a little funky. Um, so, um, this musk muskox, from what I've heard, is was originally from a mortician who had a thing for taxidermy and really liked taxidermy and had a bunch of 
you know, taxidermy in the morgue, which I guess goes hand in hand. Um, but then the mortician, he passed away and his family, I believe, donated it to Joel Berger. Um, and Joel Berger is a CSU Warner affiliated professor. He became a Warner professor in 2015. Um, and he is the Barbara Cox Anthony University Chair of Wildlife Conservation and the Fish, Wildlife and Conservation Department. So he's kind of a big name here in Warner. So the family decided to donate to Joel mainly because he does some pretty interesting and unique research on muskox so that was a well-known thing in the community as well as um, muskox are very large um, and they're pretty hard to display slash pass off to people so um, Warner was you know a very good spot to put it and it actually lived in the Wagar building on campus um, in, from 2018 until it just moved into Warner and Wagar is our fish wildlife department building. So over winter break, that's whenever it came into Warner, like I just said. Um, and so several workers spent a morning disassembling doors, reassembling doors, rolling the musk out, out from Wagar and then into the Michael Smith Natural Resource Building. So that was a big process. And that's kind of when our friend sent us that Snapchat <laughs> of who is this kind of guy. Gosh, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall during the yeah. the hustle and bustle of taking doors down to get that thing in. Yeah, it's if you guys haven't like seen it, Zena, it is very, very large, like <laughs> impressively large. Yeah. So now, thank you for that setting the scene, Anna. Uh, and now we'll kind of talk about the research behind the memorial to Joel Berger and what research Joel has done and why he's develop such a, such a unique reputation for himself. So, <clears throat> a little bit more about the muskox. Like Anna said, it is huge, and it weighs up to 800 pounds, and the Arctic muskox actually resembles a smaller, woolier cousin of the iconic American bison, which we're all pretty familiar with. Mm -hmm. So, despite their adaptations and resilience from these huge animals, muskox face many modern threats, like human hunting, getting eaten by grizzlies and wolves, and also effects of climate change. So extreme events like dumps of snow, freezing rain, high temperatures, all the things that can create really snowy slush are really tough on muskox. In the 19th century, overhunting these animals for their hides and meat led to a statewide muskox extinction. And muskox are already really scarce, but they're even scarcer or even scarcer are records of bears or wolves that prey on them. So in the last 130 years, Berger has found just two documented cases of these predation events on musk oxes. And this meant that to understand musk ox herd dynamics, Berger needed to get up close and personal with, with these burly beasts. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you can imagine that doing this put him in great personal danger. But in his words... He said, we can't wait another 130 years to solve this problem. Yeah, so this is whenever he got pretty creative in his um, approach to solving this problem of, like, you know, not seeing these cases. Um, so, um, sorry, you're going to have to get that. <laughs> you're good. Um, so then Berger, who is a senior scientist um, at the Wildlife Conservation Society, turned to the WCS's Bronx Zoo to borrow a 
Teddy Like Bear Ensemble. I implore y'all to go look at pictures because it's um, pretty a cool thing. It's, you know, very like bear like with a big bear head that he wears. And then he recruited a graduate student here to make a caribou garment so he could test how the musk musk oxen would react to faux predators um, versus like an unthreatening like another species Um, but he would wear these disguises out in the field so when he wore these out in the field to study these predation events and these threats on musk ox he found that bear deception actually worked so when the graduate student was dressed as a caribou he was largely ignored, but when the grizzly suit was put on, the musk oxen certainly became more nervous, in his words. And when he first suggested this study technique, as you can imagine, a lot of people <laughs> were hesitant, and they laughed, and they thought, you know, this isn't actually going to go anywhere, but it's a silly little idea. But he was dead serious about this, and by dressing as a grizzly, he hoped to stimulate these otherwise rare reactions that haven't really been recorded historically. And studying how musk oxen reacted to these threats included intimate details that would be missed by most other common study methods that are just purely observational. Yeah. And you can, you know, kind of, it kind of gives you that like crazy scientist vibe of like, (laughs) you know what? I will be the bear. If there are no bears, I'll be the bear kind of thing. The Smithsonian Magazine actually wrote an article on Berger and this kind of um, process that he did in his research. And he, I saw that originally he kind of faced a lot of um, opposition (laughs) from um, just like getting approval to do this study just because he, you know, he could have, you know, lost his life doing this. Um, Muskox are generally non-aggressive, but, you know, if they feel threatened, they definitely will not hesitate to, you know, protect their young. Muskox actually do this really cool um, defensive mechanism where they put their young in kind of like a circle where the young are inside of the circle and the adult muskox form a wheel outside of their young um, with their horns like out, you know, facing the outside. So they, all the predators, you know, have to get through the adults to get to their young. So they definitely, you know, will protect when they need to so this was potentially a dangerous study so he definitely faced some challenges on getting the study just you know approved so that's really an interesting thing just because it is wacky it is pretty wild getting permits in wildlife is hard enough yeah. even if it's not a muskox so <laughs> yeah and you're like actively trying to like put yourself in danger Uh, (laughs) he was really he was really going for it (laughs) (laughs) definitely Mm -hmm. and if this topic so far is really interesting to you and you want to learn more about joel berger and his work we found all this information through the warner college source article so if you literally just google warner college musk in the atrium (laughs) you'll probably find the article and in that main source article there's a linked article to the smithsonian that you mentioned Yes. And you can also look up Joel Berger on Google Scholar. He's published a lot of research. Mm-hmm. And then um, kind of why or sorry, you're gonna have to get that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on one today. Um, blah, 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 blah. With our new friend coming into the atrium, we Warner actually hosted a naming contest. Um, and actually, we're in the process of 
holding our naming competition right now um, and submissions are being reviewed currently. Um, and by the time that this podcast gets released, the Muskox will have a name. So <laughs> anyone listening right now potentially knows the name of the Muskox. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, but basically, this naming competition um, was open to currently or previously affiliated Warner College of Natural Resource um, student, alumni, faculty, staff, anyone that's in the community. Um, and they had to submit around five sentences about their name idea and how it relates to the Warner College of Natural Resources or just natural resources in general and apply that to an experience that they've had. So for example, um, you someone could have picked the name Forest because they attended the Women's Forest Congress. Um, so that's kind of what they were hoping to incorporate with that name. And so um, I think this past week or soon they will be sharing the top submissions on um, stories on the Warner Instagram page. And the winning submission will be announced on the 17th. Yeah, so, so that's on Monday. Yeah. They're announcing at the Warner College Awards. Mm-hmm which is just kind of an awards banquet for the college. And so I'll be there. I know I'm eager to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but if you want to, you know, check out like cool social media related things like this, whenever we announce cool muskox names, um, be sure to like follow us on our social medias just because, you know, you get kind of that insider knowledge of what a muskox's name might be, which is kind of funky fresh. <laughs> Yeah, and I hope this story has shed light on the the quirky nature of <laughs> our college. I know we highlight a lot of serious topics and research, but this is definitely also a big culture in Warner. Yeah. Is the little spiders that live in our plants in the building and the muskox and just there's this prairie dog that <laughs> is a graphic on the wall, uh, but it appears all over the college, and it's kind of like an Easter egg on our wallpaper, and its name is Aldo. Aldo, like okay. Aldo Leopold. So. Yes, I, I always think his name is Ollie for some reason, <laughs> but yeah, and that's kind of why we wanted to like work in this little mini-sode, mini-episode, and it's the first one that we've ever done, but we wanted to kind of highlight smaller things that are interesting, but you know, aren't too serious. Totally. Yeah, um, but that kind of wraps up our little story of the muskox. But we have some rapid fire muskox facts for y'all. Kelly, want to take us away? Heck yeah! First rapid fire is that a fully grown adult muskox can weigh as much as four hundred fifty kilograms and live for approximately twelve to twenty years in herds, which include about fifteen to twenty individuals. And then um, there are a member. Of the subfamily, I'm gonna butcher this, Capernae um, of the family Bovidae. Uh, Musk oxen are more closely related to sheep and goats than to other oxen, actually. And then, sorry, I'm gonna miss, sorry. Okay, never mind. As a member of the subfamily Capernae of the family Bovidae, um, which I just butchered, so sorry to all my Latin speakers out there. Uh, musk oxen are more closely related to sheep and goats than to other oxen. However, they are placed in their own genus, Ovibos, which literally translates to sheep ox. So they're kind of like that bridge between. They are also one of the oldest mammals to walk our planet, and they used to live in what is now Norway in great numbers around 20,000 years ago. <laughs> um, and then 
You might be wondering why they get their name musk. It's, you know, very cute. And that's actually because males secrete a musky substance, hence the name, from the glands located underneath their eyes to mark their territory and to attract females. Lastly, its indigenous name, Imingmak, translates to the bearded one, yes. which is pretty fitting for our friend. <laughs> yeah, he's very, very hairy. <laughs> but he looks like he'd be a good cuddler. <laughs> he totally would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's all we have for now on our new friends in the building. Keep an eye out for our new friend's name on the social media and join us next time to hear us catch up with Becky, a fish and wildlife alum and former co-host of this podcast, to see what she's up to one year post-graduation. We'll see you next time on Tune In to Nature.